This is Chattanooga Civics. I'm Nathan Bird. The city of Chattanooga is getting ready to vote for a new mayor and city council. Early voting will begin February 10th and end on February 25th. The deadline to request an absentee ballot is February 23rd. Election day is March 2nd. Please visit the Hamilton County Election Commission website for more details. I'm here with Demetrius Coonrod. She is running for re-election in City Council District 9. And if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and the district that you're running in. Sure, absolutely. So I'm Demetrius Coonrod. I'm a native of Chattanooga. Uh, I've lived in District 9 pretty much all my life. Grew up, went to public schools that we share in the District 5. Um, since we don't really have a school for District 9. Um, and I graduated in 93 from um, Chattanooga High School. Yeah, just ready to continue to work for the people. Great. Um, so I'd like you to briefly describe, I guess, so far you're the only sitting council person that I've been able to interview. And so if you could just kind of go over what has been your vision for the council in this last term that you're just completing and what do you plan to improve and carry forward into your next term? Yeah, so my vision has been to unite the council as one. Although, you know, we, we always say that we're nonpartisan, but we have to practice that, right? And mm -hmm. move our partisan issues to the side and really work. So I've been really kind of concentrating on that and, and holding my, you know, my counterparts accountable to that. Like, yo, we gotta, you know what I mean? Be better stewards and just really focus on the issues that affect our community members that we serve. And so for the next four years, Nathan, I really want to uh, concentrate on strengthening the family unit, right? And addressing key issues so we can really just kind of, uh, you know, stop the revolving door of different issues that affect our community members. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, by addressing the whole entire family, you know what I mean? Like we just can't say, well, kids are, you know, failing in school, needing help in school. We got to figure out what extra resources that that kid need. We need to, you know, talk to the parents and make sure that we're wrapping, giving them the wraparound services and support that they need. And fathers, making sure that we're connecting fathers to a lot of the homes because a lot of times that's the missing link. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Uh, could you could you talk a little bit more about your plans on that end? Uh, that's This is really exciting. This is not something I've really heard about uh, from any of the council members so far. Yeah, absolutely. So Nathan, my plan is, is to strengthen our Office of Family Empowerment. And so most it's just, you know, a lot of people just look at it as a tool or a place where I can go and I can get assistance to pay my rent or, you know, pay my utility bills and different things like that. But it should be looked at more than that, right? Because it's a, a strength for families to take advantage of, however, you know, to address every issue that you're having. Now figure out why, you know, that you're having to keep coming in. If we just paid your bills and utilities this month, next month you're coming in and a month after that, well, let's talk about why. Let's create you a budget. Let's get you financially stable. You know what I mean? And then it could be often you may be having some problems with your 
your mate domestic violence and different things like that offer a safe place so you can talk about that so we can get you in a safe situation right and then talk about like the having to work two three different jobs let's help build your resume let's strengthen you as you know provide you with the skill set that's needed to you know land a job the way it could be affordable for you to take care of your kids let's talk about the behavior patterns of our children that's you know disruptive in school and talk about the why and make going to school you know a fun thing again it's cool to learn in school and graduate and see what other options that you have and um, by doing that it builds a stronger family unit right and then we understand you know the need to care for our families and not just you know having latchkey kids or being involved in schools and at, with the PTA meetings and different things like that so it kind of just chips away at those uh, layers, right? And uh, so I really wanna work towards that. That's great, that's really exciting. Uh, that's not something I've heard about from any of the other candidates so far. Um, I wanna jump into a couple questions, kind of starting with the budget and the budget mm -hmm. writing process. Mm -hmm. The mayor currently leads the budget writing process and it's currently under the budgeting for outcomes, which starts in November and then goes through this long multi-month process until it is, presented to the council sometime, I believe it's in June. Mm -hmm. And the city council has the right to amend or even reject the mayor's proposal. And I'm just wondering, uh, do you feel like the city council should exercise that authority to amend or reject more? Do you think the process needs to change in any way? And what do you think the city council can do to kind of strengthen public engagement in that process? Yeah, so I think we need to be involved more. We need to be involved in November, right? Mm -hmm or the budget gets to our lap to say, hey, we need mm -hmm. you to vote on this. And, oh, it's so urgent because we have organizations that are needing this fund and, you know, blah, blah, all this stuff. I think, you know, so we're not, we're left out of that process, right? Um, and it needs to be strengthened so we can be involved in it. Our charter says that the budget has to be approved by the council members, right? The council and the mayor. And we also supposed to work together with that. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of uh, time. And, and some of our, right. um, you know, council members, they have jobs or, you know, doing different things. But I think it's something that we need to most definitely be a part of other conversations when we're working on that budget. So therefore we know what to advocate for, what to push for on the beginning end and not just wait to the end where it's considered a state of emergency if we don't pass it right then or we really can't afford for other people to be waiting, that kind of thing. And I think that we should, council most definitely should exercise that authority to amend it if we need to, um, you know, reallocate from, make sure that we're pushing the best interests of the constituents that we serve. Now, Nathan, how I do think that um, with the budget for outcomes, it doesn't really reflect all the citizens in Chattanooga, right? Like we miss out, you may have some community areas of the city that, you know, housing may not be an issue, right? Or, uh, you know, it, roads may not be an issue. So it's a lot of things that we need to make sure that we're hearing the voice of everybody collectively right. to see what the issues are. And I think we, we most definitely got to do a better job on engaging the community, right? Because the process of how we got it now is just not working. It doesn't work for me. Like you have, you know, people come out, but it's not the amount of people that I would expect to when you're talking mm -hmm. about a bit, you know, all this money in the budget. Right. And so I think we got to think about ways how uh, technology 
how we can connect people there if they're not able to physically come. Maybe we can go on Zoom. We need to radio advertise, do a pod, invite people to come out on a podcast to talk about it. However, it's sending out surveys, mailers, you know, it, it's got to be a whole campaign mm-hmm. to get people engaged in it. Just like we're campaigning to run for our seats, it's got to be a campaign to get people engaged in the budget process. Great. And, and a lot of people, uh, their kind of first exposure to the budget and the budget writing process happened this summer mm-hmm. when there are the police protests over the killing of George Floyd. And we had this, this national conversation and it was really interesting to see 200 something people sign up to speak at a city council meeting, which I imagine was a very taxing night for you. I know you all were up till, I think it was like 1am or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering, there are a lot of different suggestions on, on how to improve our, our law enforcement system. And especially as it relates to the budget, the suggestions are all over the place. Some people want to increase funding so that we can hire better officers and provide better training. Some people think that the system is broken and that we need to divest and then reinvest into other areas that are kind of upstream problems. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just wondering where you stand and, and where you think uh, both the budget needs to be changed, if it needs to be changed, and also any other ideas you might have to improve our, our law enforcement system in Chattanooga. Yeah, great question with that, Nathan. I think that we it's time, past time that we reimagine what our law enforcement does, the police department, um, because now we have a lot of other issues that have arisen since, you know what I mean, prior to the protests, right? Mm-hmm. And so we know through our history why the police was created in the first place. And so we do have to have police officers that's willing and our community members, we, we it's time to bridge that gap, right? And we need people that really care about serving people, protecting and serving actually and not harming people, right? In that way. And, um, and be better stewards, right? And when they're in our community and we need to have a diverse police department, like we have need to have all kind of people and build those relationships and not just when they come into the community to be like a scare factor, you know what I mean? Or to put fear in the people. It should be when they see the police is, hey, there's officer, officer Jacks or he's coming to play basketball with us today or mm-hmm. kids, you know, hey, can you help me with your, with my homework? Or, you know, they're not afraid, you know what I mean? So when we have crime and different things happening, it's a different approach. When it comes to the police, we're not afraid to call them because we know they're not coming to beat us. They're not, you know, tasing us to the ground. They're not dragging us out of our home to, uh, you know, take us to jail, that kind of stuff. And we need people who understand mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a lot of crisis that's happening within that. And they, it needs to be social workers that's working alongside our police department when it comes to that uh, type involvement. And, you know, we need to be able to route our calls to that. So if it's somebody that's having a mental health crisis, that we should be able to route that out, you know what I mean, to a social service agency to connect them with their social service network and who can get out there maybe say administer the medicine they need or just to get them a common source and mm-hmm. a weighted blanket that they may need at that moment, you know what I mean? So we need to be able to tap in and tune into that kind of thing. Um, and I think like our police department most definitely don't need to be militarized like that. You know what I mean? Like the weapons and different things like that. I think it's a step that we have to, you know, to take for escalation purposes. But I think that it's the way how you treat people, how you speak to people from the beginning of the initial encounter, then it won't lead to different escalation things. So I most definitely support 
you know, moving funding from our police department that's going to be put into areas that's going to strengthen the network across the board. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I've, another question kind of related to the budget is, you know, talking about how we recover from COVID. Uh, Chattanooga has been hit pretty hard, especially mm -hmm. kind of around Christmas time. We got just really hit very hard. Uh, vaccines starting to kick in. And, and as far as the virus goes, things are, are looking a lot better. But we do have a looming economic crisis, you know, the fallout from this, especially as the PPP loans start to run out, as the eviction protections start to expire. And so I'm wondering, what do you think the city council can do to really help Chattanooga recover and help these small businesses survive and help these people who are struggling to make their rent? Right. I think you continue to do what we're doing, you know, to push, uh, to continue to use the funds, to pay rent, to making sure that people are not evicted, you know, the ones that are, you know, hopefully they'll continue to reach out to us, you know what I mean, to get in the pipeline to get their paperwork done. And because and, we've ran into some uh, obstacles with people getting the necessary paperwork that they have to uh, fill out and, you know, information from their employers and different things like that. But Nathan, what we done was once we realized that there was a barrier, right, we reached out the hood and said, hey, you know, the people that are needing this assistance, they're having issues or, you know, problems receiving certain information that you need. Can you waive that? Can we go around that? Because we want to make sure that people are still continuing to be housed. So we was able that done and more funding that from the state. So we allocated it to uh, the purpose of, you know, making sure that we're housing people, getting their rent paid, their utilities paid and everything like that. Um, so that's the source that we most definitely will continue to do the eviction moratorium that was on. We've been, you know, in touch with the governor, making sure that he's extending that. We've on, we're on top of it with landlords who are trying to, you know, file eviction notices. We're working with those individuals as well and making sure that we're getting their rent and everything paid. So we, my goal, Nathan, and the goal of the council, like we most definitely don't want anybody to be displaced or evicted. Mm -hmm in any way we want to make sure that we're keeping them in, in shelter in the homes that they have and if it's to the point where they've had to leave that home we want to make sure that we're getting them placed somewhere else that's safe right so i'll move on to another topic a little bit lighter topic um chattanooga is making a name for itself as an outdoor destination lately we've we've been named uh, number one city by outdoor magazine twice now and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this new reputation and how you might factor the city's outdoor resources into your legislative agenda. Yeah, so, you know, I really, I'm loving the outdoor feel, you know what I mean? And and, um, and everybody seems to love it that's moving here and our people here. What I, I would like to see is that um, people who typically don't have access to participate in the outdoor right. I would like for them to be able to be more involved in it. You know what I mean? And uh, just trying to get them connected to it because, um, you know, to be honest, Nathan, a lot of black people just not connected to outdoors. They're not rock climbing. They're not hiking. Mm -hmm. They're not biking. They're not, you know, doing those kind of things because we typically don't get introduced to it. Right. right. And now I think it's a time that we can be more connecting. Uh, to the people to make sure that the ones that typically don't get served in that arena, that we have access to it, maybe reduce the cost because that could be a factor or, you know, trans accessible transportation to it, um, you know, have different pop-up events to, for people to get engaged. Uh, so that's what I would love to see there. And as far as legislation goes, yes, we need to make sure that we're legislating that and putting it in our budget so people mm -hmm. know that it's an opportunity for everybody to participate in the great outdoors. Mm-hmm.
Great. And then moving on to another topic, Chattanooga government has a, a bit of a reputation as an insider's club, you know, decisions being made outside of the council chambers and in, you know, the chamber of commerce or the mountains or, you know, people point to all different directions, but the idea is that a lot of people don't feel connected to the city government. They don't feel like their voice is being heard. And so I'm wondering, what do you think the city council can do to make sure that all Chattanoogans are, you know, they feel like they're being equitably represented and that their voices are being heard. Yeah, I think that um, what the council should do is like, we really got to be active in social media. Like that's the trending thing, right? We got mm -hmm. to be engaged in, uh, because our millennials and generation, like that's the thing, like they're on TikTok, they're on, you know what I mean? They're on uh, Instagram, they're on uh, whatever social media outlet that it is. We have to start connecting with that, right? Because we see our younger generation, like you guys are rising up like, hey, we're not going to be, you know, putting up with that. You know what I mean? Like we get it. Our more seasoned people did that. And then we just have to keep them connected as well because they still want to receive letters in the mail. You know what I mean? Whereas you and I will just say, shoot us an email. So we got to think about how we're going to reach everybody and keep them engaged. And I think the city council, we've got to be, you know, we've got to get used to change, right? We just can't keep, um, well, let's just do a six o'clock meeting and everybody come to the chambers here. Well, we need to be more accessible for if you can come in person, if you can view us on Zoom or, you know, whatever app, we should be on all apps or outlets for anybody mm -hmm. to connect to the meeting, uh, YouTube, if you own that, you know, the uh, Blue Jean app, whatever it is that people can Zoom and Google, hang out, whatever it is. And it's gotta be a cool thing to be involved in government. We just gotta, mm -hmm. you know, push it out there so people can wanna, they'll wanna get involved. They don't wanna miss a meeting. Right, right. And then, so my next few questions are kind of all centered around uh, development and, you know, kind of associated topics. Um, so, so the first one is, you know, a lot of residents that I have talked to are worried about development and they're all kind of worried in different ways. There's a lot of different ways that people look at this issue. Some people are worried that we are overdeveloping Chattanooga, that we're not being stringent enough with our uh, development regulations, especially around stormwater, traffic generation, and steep slopes and things like that. And then I've also talked to other people who are worried that, you know, we're, we're making it so difficult to develop. The regulations are, you know, so difficult to navigate that it's making it harder to build and it's making it more expensive to build, which leads to, you know, higher housing costs. And so I'm wondering, you know, where do you stand on this issue and, and what do you think the city council can do, especially given that, you know, this is one of the areas where the city council is most effective in terms of the fact that you all control the, the zoning codes. Mm -hmm. I think that with the zoning, certain areas are saturated with housing and different, mm -hmm. you know, it. and, you know, what I've learned, Nathan, is that investors and developers, they want to build in the hottest trending areas, right? Mm -hmm. And it's gonna, you know, and that means sometimes it's overpopulating in the area. And I'm like, hey, yo, just come on my side. We've got plenty of room, <laughs> you know what I mean? For you to build and start, you know, urbanizing the uh, parts of District 9, especially on Glass Street area. And, um, you know, they look at market trends, they look at, you know, the affordability and that kind of stuff. And then you get into the weeds of what gentrification will look like, you know what I mean? But, you know, although we want it to be improved, but we want to build something and keep the people that we have in here, right? We don't want right. to get off the grid with it, but I think that um, 
some we have to hold them accountable to the you know the storm water runoff and different things like that because it it uh you know ruins other people's property so i i believe that those codes and, and different things like that that needs to be there still i think the fees if you're not doing what you're supposed to do then that should be assessed to you uh, but i do think that when you have areas that have lack of investment in it that there should be opportunities for you to kind of look at the zoning uh, requirements or the fees or the you know the steep the steepness of it, um, so we can get people to come into those areas to invest in those areas. So maybe we could kind of you know look at that. Yeah, but we most definitely it need to be uh, whatever it is equitable for right. across the whole Chattanooga. Right. And you, you mentioned gentrification, and I, I want to dive into that in a little bit more detail. And I guess it would it'd be helpful to start by kind of defining it. There's a lot. It gets really confusing when you talk to people about gentrification, because it seems like everybody uh, means something different. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you could just kind of very quickly, you know, sum up what you mean by gentrification, and then also kind of dive into what you think the city can do to help prevent that from happening. Yeah, I think, you know, it's the really got a negative label <laughs> to the mm -hmm. word gentrification because we use it, it. It's like the word, the buzzword for now. Right. Right. Next year, it may be something else. You know what I mean? Prior to that, they use words like neighborhood revitalization, rehab, mm -hmm. neighborhood, you know what I mean? Neighborhood improvements and it, all of it also really means the same thing. Right. You want to see your community improved or better. Mm -hmm. And, but what happens is that once that start happening, people can't, you know, afford it. So if they fix up a house here and then my house still looks, you know, bad, then my taxes, I may not be able to afford it or whatever. I'm going to decline their property value and, you know, different things like that. And uh, people begin to sell because now... I don't want to say they're desperate, but they're in a pinch. And so if somebody comes in your house, is just kind of, you know, dilapidated a bit. Then they come say, well, I want to offer you 30000 to buy your house. If you've never seen 30000 in your life and you're like, okay, I'll sell. Well, you sold your house and now you're a renter. And, you know, we could have easily, you know, probably tapped you into some resources to, to rehab your house. So now it's right. growing, but that's not happening. People are getting... Um, priced out, they're selling their homes for a little of nothing, and people are taking advantage of our elders, and in that way, and uh, you know, taking advantage of other people too, with, because you're not knowledgeable about what's going on. You know what I mean? And right. that's what I see happening. And people begin to be displaced, and mm -hmm. yeah, and they fix them up, buy the house for a little nothing, fix it up, and then put it on the market for $250,000 or right. more. And that's the problem. It's like, whoa, <laughs> you just quadrupled that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think we got to kind of run up to that a little bit. Right. And I agree with that assessment of gentrification. I like hearing people's definitions of it just because it's it's such a hazy term in some people's minds. So I'm wondering, what do you think the city council can do to, you mentioned a couple ideas of, you know, getting people in touch with resources to to renovate their own homes so that they can mm -hmm. keep those funds and keep their house and and control their 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 own ownership and i'm just wondering what else do you think the city council can do to kind of improve that to make sure that these neighborhoods can improve without being people being pushed out yeah i think we could probably like 
because like you said before, we kind of do well with the zoning thing is that work with neighborhood associations as far as with the zoning for their neighborhood. So we're saying we don't want high rises in this neighborhood, whatever you want straight single family homes, then we have to abide by that, right? So if a developer coming in and saying, we want to put a mixed use development, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, it doesn't fit with what the neighborhood would like, the plan for the neighborhood. So we got to uh, make sure that we're focusing on that and you know, reach out to the community. Hey, a developer is coming in with they're requesting a zone rezone. You know what I mean? Like, how do you feel about it? Get them engaged, connect them with the developer that's coming into their community so they can, you know, articulate their vision for what they would like to see. So they'll feel like they're a part of the planning of it from the beginning. And they're not just being pushed over saying, oh, we're going to place this here in your neighborhood. Right. right. And then also, um, what I would like to see is more ownership, us pushing that in our conversations, even in the work that we do, right? Because they, well, Holland Park done so well, Nathan, was that they got their family and friends to invest in improving Holland Park. So I bought a house, I fixed it up, I got my sister to buy, buy and so on and so on. And therefore you draw the people that you want to live with in your community. Right. And we got to start building that same concept and therefore we can control what's going on in mm-hmm. And then one last question I've got kind of related to development is transportation. Um, you know, there's a lot of different moving pieces with transportation, no pun intended. Um, we've got our automotive network, obviously our roads made for cars and moving cars, mm-hmm. but then we also have sidewalks. We've got bike lanes and then public transit. Um, how do you think the city council can balance all of these considerations and move forward so that all Chattanoogans are, are able to get, you know, from their house to their job and, and, you know, be able to do that in an equitable way and an efficient way? Yeah, I think that um, all ways of transportation should be in available safely in every part of the community, right? Um, so we know we don't have a lot of areas don't have the bike lanes or, you know, access to the little bikes if they needed to, if they don't mm-hmm. if they needed to rent one or to get a bike, the scooters, you know, whatever form of transportation that people would need because everybody now, they don't have a car. You know what I mean? Walking is cool. Right. If you can get back and forth by walking, we used to walk all the time and didn't even think about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When we were younger, uh, the bus need to be more accessible for, you know, we in a time now where Chattanooga is beginning to thrive and the downtown life is trendy and fun is that it's going eventually to be 24 hours. You know what I mean? So we need to have people working and, and access to opportunities throughout, if it's the bus, if it's, you know, walking safely, um, to your work or somewhat walking safely to the park, like our sidewalks need to be repaired. Our roads most definitely need to be, you know, in good in good shape for people that are biking on the roads, people that are, you know, driving in cars, mobile. And so um, no matter the means of transportation, it should just be available and safe for everybody to do. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I've got one last question for you. Um, I just want to make sure, you know, this is this podcast is a resource for you to be able to connect to your voters and tell them what your agenda is. So I just want to make sure, is there another issue that you're passionate about that you are running on that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah. Criminal justice reform, re-entry, because people, you know, once they've done their time, Nathan, they're still held accountable still 
And it's mm-hmm. like a second punishment. Once you even come from those walls, you have a hard time, you know, getting employment opportunities. Mm-hmm. You have trouble with obtaining housing, you know, transportation. It's like reconnecting to your family. Um, and it's, you know, once that world side has stripped you of everything, like you feel dehumanized, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to be a city of Chattanooga that's welcoming. So people who've done their time, they're coming back, they've demonstrated like, I want to be a productive member in society. And we should be able to equip them with resources and tools to make sure that they're not recidivating, right? Right. And um, so that's why part of... Um, why our workforce development department was created with the city of Chattanooga. I push for that because I understand being a person who've experienced that, like the troubles that you go through with trying to just get connected to, you know, land an interview, you know, having connections to even purchase a t-shirt or a skirt, you know, a tie for your interview, someone to help you get your resume and everything in order. So, you know, that's something that I'm really passionate about. But in, in it, reform can take a lot of turns, you know what I mean? Not just with the criminal justice system. It could be with our environment. Environmental justice is important, you know what I mean? Our water quality justice. And it's, it's just anything, anything that's, um, you know, that we can improve to restore people to be whole and equip them to be thriving so they can live their best life and, and accomplish whatever their American dream may be. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Uh, is Where can voters find out more about you? Yeah, so you can go to my website, DemetriusCoonrod.com, and it's, uh, you know, spelled just like my first and last name, and uh, check me out on there. You most definitely, I'm on social media, Alice, Demetrius Coonrod. You can reach me there. You can call me. You can inbox me. You can email me. I'm very responsive. Um, if I don't hit you back up, you know, within 48 hours, call me again. Hey, because I get busy, especially around campaign time. Um, but I promise you, I hadn't forgotten about you. Anybody that have reached out and, you know, but just hit me up. I'm here. Great. Once again, Demetrius Coonrod running for city council for re-election in District 9. Thank you so much for your time and good luck in the election next Tuesday. Thank you so much, Nathan. Have a great day. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chattanooga Civics. Our music was written and recorded by Kevin McLeod. If you have any questions or feedback, please send me an email at chattanoogacivics at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at chatcivics, or visit the website chattanoogacivics.com. Thanks for listening. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.